0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an episode of Fighting the Void, which I was supposed to be having a guest on tonight, but unfortunately something must have come up here at the uh, last minute because uh, didn't make it, it uh, might show up later, I don't know, so I apologize for that, sometimes these things happen, and the topic was going to be on Pope Francis, and Brian Nehemiah's argument was essentially that... Uh, the media has been gaslighting us on Pope Francis, which, and he he makes a very good point that okay we say they're basically peddling fa- fake news on everything except him, right? Uh, it's a fair point. I, I think that in and of itself is a good point, and he brings up a lot of actually good quotes that Pope Francis has thrown out there, especially regarding the Church is more controversial uh teachings when it comes to abortion and homosexuality. And I know they're from Pope Francis. I've seen them. I've seen some of them myself. Uh, but of course then there's everything else. and uh, I'm, I'm not really going to go into this topic because Brian was going to be basically presenting his argument, which I'm not terribly familiar with other than just what I what I just said. Uh, as far as the negative argument, the idea that nope, Pope Francis really is Awful. Uh, uh, Any idiot can look up examples of that and and find them. So I'm not going to really be going into that at all, really beyond just this little bit here. Um, Suffice to say, I'm not a huge fan based on everything I've seen. I don't think he's the worst pope we've ever had. We've had some real doozies in the past. He's just the worst pope in recent memory. Um, Probably fair to say in living memory, actually. Because whatever whatever the uh, traditionalist opinions on say Pope Paul VI are, at the very least he held the line. He held the line and put out Vitae. So all of that, all of that uh, Catholic inside baseball aside, uh, we're going to get into something else a little bit here, and I might as well go ahead and riff with the uh, riff a bit. On the beginning of the Biden presidency. Because why not, right? Okay, so let's do a little recap here. We're just a few days in. And Pope... (laughs) Oh boy, that's a Freudian slip and a half. Uh, Joe Biden, President Biden, has... uh, He has already shut down construction on the Keystone Pipeline, which is just fantastic. That already is going to cause thousands of jobs. Pissed off Canada a little bit, enough such that uh, Canada apparently is suing the government, although Trudeau is not really saying much about it. He's just kind of like, oh, well, you know, what you gonna do? Uh, (laughs) But Trudeau sucks. Anyway, he's an idiot. So what else is going on? Okay, Uh, a few things. Shut down any sort of construction that was going on on the border wall, which, as Norman Young pointed out, is not exactly a lot. However, Trump was doing really, really extensive renovations on existing areas of of the wall. So it was basically massive, massive, massive upgrades. I. Don't know if those are included in Biden's order or not. I'm going to guess yes, but I'm guessing. So feel free to check me on that. Again, I'm winging it here so I don't have a whole lot uh, prepared and right next to me. So I'm going a little bit on memory and there is going to be some guesswork here. Being upfront. So what else? Oh, we've already had troops rolling into Syria because there were some attacks or threats of attacks, which is... Just fantastic. If you recall, early in the Trump presidency, there was a huge uproar made about the fact that something similar. Uh, basically, I guess Assad was trying to test the waters a little bit. And Trump was like, eh, nope, get in your box. Bam! dropped, dropped a couple of bombs on some airfields and whatnot. And that that caused a bit of stress. Like, oh my gosh, Trump's gonna be a warmonger. No, he just dropped a couple of bombs to say, Hey, here's your box. You stay in that box i don't care about you you come out of that box i bomb you back into it simple right it's called containment it wasn't boots on the ground now yes there were still boots on the ground in various places under trump but he didn't put more boots on the ground somewhere he just dropped some bombs to let people know hey we're not going to be screwing around here and i also don't have any interest in putting my people in danger. Let's face it, I can send you, I can send you all the way back to the freaking Stone Age without putting a single boot on the ground if I want to. So anyway, Biden has the more, uh, shall we say, traditional policy, which is, yeah, yeah, let's just roll some troops in there just for funsies, I guess. I guess we're going to be sending more troops back to Iraq, so that's cool. I was, that was one of the things I actually wasn't real down on Obama about other, The part where I did get down on Obama was just ignoring ISIS. I didn't really have a problem with him pulling out of Iraq, especially since he was pulling out of Iraq on the schedule set down by Bush. Yeah, a lot of people forgot that, including people on the right. So, okay, what else have we got? Uh, Oh, yeah, a mass mandate on federal lands, a mandate, mind you. I that may or may not have already been the case. I have no idea. Uh, mask mandate on various means of travel, which most of these businesses were already doing it. Now it's just they have to do it, of course. Um, uh, Margo yes, uh, abortion. I don't know that he's actually done done much yet, but they're going to be, of course, removing the Mexico City policy, which I mean that's been a ping pong ball since the Reagan administration. It's uh, basically, the, the idea that a Democrat is going to reverse the Mexico City policy is just like saying water is wet. Of course, they're going to do that. I don't like it, but it's not remotely surprising. Um, and yes, they're looking to remove the Hyatt Amendment, but that isn't a thing that's actually happened. Uh, he did actually issue some sort of order saying that, yes, uh, boys, boys who think they're girls can play in girls' sports and go use the ladies' room, of course, naturally. Because we, even if I was cool with that at all, we still shouldn't be needing the, uh, we still shouldn't be needing the federal government to weigh in. It's flipping ridiculous. Uh, you have the banning of any sort, any sort. I thought it was just fracking, but no, it's actually any sort of fossil fuel. Uh, drilling on federal lands. Now, I don't have the percentages ahead of me as far as how much of the fossil fuel industry relies on federal lands. I don't know, but I do know it's not insubstantial. And also, a lot of it is out west. It, this is their industry. I can't help but feel that this was meant, in part, to target certain states, uh, like South Dakota. They're basically their whole economy for the last few years has been based around fracking. Again, I don't know how much of it is on federal lands. That said, uh, it's a good indicator of where he plans on going. I guess also there's a moratorium on any uh, new drilling going on. Uh, Basically, oil companies can't say, hey, we want to lease this land to go look for more. And it's been pointed out that that in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean jobs are lost, except these companies do employ people to go and find new places to drill. Also, it means you're not, you're cutting off an area of job creation. You're basically saying, okay, well, you can't drill anymore. So therefore, you can't hire more people to do these jobs. That's not a good thing. It's, and we were already, and this is something that the right would do well to remember when they start criticizing Biden for the rise in oil prices and prices at the pump as well, which is going to happen. But something that the rate would do well to remember the fact that the prices had fallen so low and demand, demand because of stupid covid restrictions and this that the other thing has fallen quite a bit that means that 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 means that it's just not as profitable to go after some of this harder to find oil and natural gas that's in the ground uh what do I mean by that? Basically, if they can't sell, if they can't sell the product for a certain price, it's not worth the cost it takes to go and get it. Because one of the things you got to remember, especially, uh, this is relevant to the Keystone issue. Actually there, a lot of that is getting oil It's called oil sands. Basically it's just oil soaked dirt more or less. Uh, you know from up north and you can extract it there is obviously there's processes and everything to do that but they're 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 demanding of time they're demanding of resources it takes a lot of time and money basically to get that that black gold out of the ground if it's not physically worth it to go after it well they're not going to go after it anyway. So, we were already looking at probably a reduction in production in the United States to some degree, but Biden's recent orders are not going to help that anymore. It's actually, it's going to exacerbate what was already going to start to become a problem. And, of course, those things that I just mentioned, that prices were low and that was shutting down certain areas of production in the United States before Biden, uh, that is going to be brought up by the left, has a counter-argument against that. So, just be aware uh, uh, let's see. There were a few other. Seems like there were a few other things. Uh, I'm having a trouble. I'm having a hard time remembering all of them at the moment. What, and I'm talking about things he's actually already done, and not things that he's it looks like he's going to do. Um, but be, oh, oh, going back into the Paris Climate Accords, which we weren't a part of anymore. We had formally left that. Uh, it's not. It's a non-binding agreement. Now, the way these things typically work is everybody agrees to very, very lofty goals. Nobody ever meets them. And um, the only people that ever get yelled at for not meeting them is us, (laughs) frankly. Uh, And a lot of times we're the only ones that ever actually try to meet them as well. Everyone else, especially countries like China, obviously, they just kind of say, oh, yeah, yeah, well. Totally do that. That sounds great. We'd love to care a lot more about the environment and everything and completely sink our economy in order to do it. Uh, behold my virtue. Is this sufficiently signaled? Usually that's the way this works. And then everybody goes, yeah, well. Sign that piece of paper. I feel good about myself. You all think I feel, you all know, I feel good about myself. You feel good that I feel good about myself and I feel good about that. So uh, yeah, business as usual. Everybody cool with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not you. Don't care about you. You're just a hippie. Moving on. Usually that's the way these things work. Except of course, again, it's applied to us. I actually will try more often than not. And then we usually won't wind up meeting the goals and everyone will yell at us for destroying the planet when actually we still reduce emissions way more than everybody else, even without specifically trying to do so, at least as a matter of uh, federal policy. Oh, goodness gracious, that's so that's fun. And then of course we're back officially in the World Health Organization. Did we ever officially leave it? Yeah, probably not. Uh, I think, again, Norman Young was correct to point that out, that, you know, we never really we never really left the WHO. We were just not playing nice with them. So what are you going to (laughs) do? But now we're officially back in and we'll be trying to play nice with them and we'll put uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put, you know, Lord Fauci. Ah, uh, you know, in contact with them and the high priest of our of the first American Techno Reich will go about informing us of all the things that China would like us to do regarding health policy, and I can't see anything that's going to go wrong with that. Can you? No, me neither. Good. That means you won't be sent to the Gulag, and neither will I, unless I pick up on my sarcasm. In which case, um, I'll see you in Cell Block Thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, Lord Fauci, peace be upon him as uh, the has has the Knowles would say so we're off to a swimming start here, and of course, we already know he can't handle any questions whatsoever. He gets asked a question about his uh, about a mass mandate or about. Uh, Maybe we should increase the goal of Americans to vaccinate. You know, 100 million just sounds awful low. It's a third of the country, pal. Anyway, uh, you know, and his response is, come on, give me a break, man. Of course, he was campaigning, saying, I've got a perfect plan and everything to put in place. We're just going to whoop. Get rid of uh, Trump's trash and drop my super awesome sauce plan right in there. And we're going to get right to the business of making everything fantastic. Well, you know what? That turns out that's not true. Weird, right? Who could possibly have predicted that? Mm, Not me. Anyway, (laughs) he's more like, yeah, well, you know, there's nothing we can actually do to change the trajectory of the virus for a few months. But you had a plan, Joe it's going to make everything better. Not that I think things are actually Not that I think things relating to the virus itself are actually bad. They're not. Just go ahead and Google the survival rate. I'm not going to repeat it again right now because, oh my gosh, any idiot can figure this out. Unfortunately, we are not a country of just any idiots. We are exemplary idiots. We are like We are like cream of the crop idiots at this point. When other idiots go, hey, you know what? I'm feeling awful idiotic. You know what? So am I. I feel even a little extra idiotic today. America's like, you know what? Hold my Michelob, all right? I'm going to show you what idiot really looks like. Oh, my gosh. Is he wearing four masks? Yes, he is. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) And, yeah. uh, Yeah. uh, I'm sorry. I am... I don't know. I, I'm suddenly feeling awful sarcastic. Maybe it's because I'm drinking a beer. I don't know. Um, what am I drinking? I'm oh fat squirrel from near New Glauce Brewing Company. It's with it's Wisconsin-based, and it's pretty darn good, actually. I'd never had anything from these guys, never heard of them, but by golly, they make some fine beer, let me tell you. So if you're in Wisconsin or if you're ever nearby, Margo, you're actually not far. You should just go hop right across that border. You may even have it in your town. I don't know. Anyway. Moving on from beer. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, and of course, COVID recoveries and everything. I've known a handful of people that have had it now. They've all recovered quickly, quite quickly, as a matter of fact, Uh, you know, come back to work and been fine and no problems uh, a lot of them their wives had in fact a lot of them that's how they got it was from their wives uh and lo and behold they're fine now it's not to say that i that nobody dies from this thing obviously i'm not saying that uh i know people who know people who have died but of course but i don't know anyone that has uh whatever we'll see oh oh Margot Margot this is this is a good comment right here uh let's go ahead and just bring this up um pair cider with I, I I don't know what that means um repo repo tequila so that's like tequila you drink right before you get yourself in trouble and and you lose all your money and your card gets repoed. which actually let's be honest that's all tequila really anyway uh, in <laughs> enough of the random right so uh what else is shaking these days with the with, with the biden oh yeah uh um, speaking of covid stuff mask mandates and his federal mask mandate on federal property thou shalt wear the masks no exceptions unless your name is biden or one of his buddies because guess what Practically right afterwards, he's like, uh, yeah, I'm totally not wearing my mask on federal property, a.k.a. the Lincoln Memorial. No, which, you know, he's given a speech and everything. And again, personally, I don't give a crap that he's not wearing a mask, except he just put out the stupid mandate. And of course, when called out, uh, when a reporter asked his press secretary about it, she was all, well, you know, he was celebrating and we take all kinds of precautions and everything. So it's like totes cool. Of course, she used a lot more ums and ahs and everything as she was going about it. I know I use a lot of ums and ahs too, which I really shouldn't being a podcaster and all of that. It should I should be working working my way out of it. But alas, what can I say? I'm merely mortal. She, however, is not allowed to be merely mortal. She is a White House press secretary press secretary words are hard. It's the beer. Anyway, she should be a little bit more professional than that, I would think, and not <laughs> and not throwing out all the ums and ah's. She should actually have some prepared responses, kind of like the late great Kaylee McEnany, who was a fantastic press secretary. Because honestly, she slapped the media around more than Trump and Trump did. Actually, frankly, that was probably just about his best hire. I mean, look at the train wreck that was frankly his administration, it, which it was a train wreck. People constantly in and out, and everything. Uh, people undermining him left and right. Him saying, "Well, you know." I don't really like the job that guy's doing and everything, and he kind of sucks. Are you gonna fire him? Nah. Why? So for a guy I know this is a bit of a repeat, a lot of people have said this, but for a guy who became most famous, at least in recent memory, for the phrase you're fired, really didn't fire a whole lot of people. Until he basically had to. It's kind of ridiculous if you think about it. I mean, really, really, the guy should have been, should have fired half of his administration in the first week. Shouldn't have hired, frankly, half of his administration. But anyway, you know, let me just finish up. Let me just talk a little bit more about Trump in the way he went out. He went out, he went out like a cuck, frankly. And I don't mean that he, and I don't mean to convince myself to convince me that he wasn't going out like a cuck. He had to like declare martial law and everything and just say, well, you know, screw it. I'm going to stay, you stay president because I kind of like the job. No, he didn't have to do that, but he had to go out. He, he didn't really, he didn't really go down swinging. He went down letting other people do swinging for him and let him. And, and these people were doing a lousy job of swinging for him. And which of course, I mean, it was Giuliani. I've, I'll be honest. I have not been a fan of Giuliani for a very long time, like at all. I was kind of questioning that. It's like, you know, when Crowder was having him on a fair amount, which I don't know what's happened to that guy. He seems to have just disappeared off the face of the earth. Um, when Crowder started to have Giuliani on, it's like, well, maybe you know, maybe I've missed something. May- maybe, maybe he's not the. Maybe he he hasn't become the hack that I thought he has. No, no, he's totally a hack, <laughs> and he's totally just uh just a hack out out for himself, like a, a lot of these people are. I remember when he was running for president uh, quite some time ago now, and the media was trying to anoint him as a Republican frontrunner, because, frankly, he was the guy that they would like to see run. Why? Because he's very he's a, very much a social liberal, very much a social progressive, he and he was also very very bellicose. He was very very pro-war. Essentially, Giuliani was the synthesis synthesis of everything I hate about both parties. He was like the worst possible candidate out of of all of them from both parties at the time. I can't remember which year that was, but I was like, no, anyone but Giuliani, seriously. And he was like in charge of the President's legal team. I'm like, really? But in any case, he, you know, Trump just kind of Went off spouting some random platitudes and everything, and it was awful, awful silly. Uh anyway, I see that my guest is actually he he just showed up. So we're gonna shift topics and get back to uh talking about Pope Francis. So sorry for the massive gear shifts, everybody. But uh you know that's that that's what that's what's uh that's what's going
1: on here. So here we go. Brian. Yes. (laughs) How you doing? Oh, well, I'm uh, I'm running late. Obviously, my apologies to you and your listeners for that. But the life of uh, a jet-setting best-selling author for you.
0: <laughs> well, you know what are you gonna do? I was checking it out, and I was like, well, he hasn't tweeted anything for 15 hours. Maybe something has happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not really at liberty to. Fair to enough. Fair exactly. Enough. There's some stuff going on behind the scenes, but uh, not an excuse, just an explanation
0: you gotcha, gotcha nah no problem I was just you know going over some of the uh, high slash low lights of the first week of the Biden presidency and uh, the way Trump kind of went out more much more like a lamb than a lion and not th- not, not thrilled about so many things <laughs> but that wasn't the main topic for the night so um, we're gonna do a massive gear shift and the main topic for the night is Is the media totally gaslighting us on Pope Francis? And I already went through a quick little primer at the beginning of the base, the extremely simplified version of your argument, Brian, of how essentially we call fake news on everything else that the media says about everything. And but not Pope Francis for some reason. And the fact that Pope Francis has thrown out some very good, solid statements, uh, from time to time on things like abortion and homosexuality. But then you've got the other side of things where he's at best says a lot of things that are extremely ambiguous. Um, so I'm going to throw it out to you to sort of lay out your case.
1: Okay. Yeah, that was a great segue. And, um, There's a nice primer on my position, but to unpack that, I suppose, I would say that, okay, so the Pope is, according to the one holy Catholic and apostolic faith, the vicar of Christ, the visible head of the church on earth, and according to the First Vatican Council, can speak infallibly when solemnly defining doctrine on matters of faith and morals under a specific set of conditions that depending on who you ask has only ever happened twice or three times. There's one that's kind of, kind of shaky, but there are two that we know of. um, And I believe they're on the immaculate conception and the assumption of Mary.
0: Right. Yeah. The infallibility issue is, it it's difficult to it's it's difficult yeah. to completely narrow down only because there are people who restrict it to extremely narrow conditions, or there's some that widen it out a, a little bit, but that gets into fuzzy gray areas. Yeah. Uh, kind of like his first uh, his first encyclical, which I can't remember the name of it to save my life. Uh, but it was the one where he got into a lot of environmental stuff. Yeah, and. There was a lot of stuff in there that I didn't particularly like that I thought was wrong, and the encyclical being kind of the highest level of document other than an explicitly ex cathedra statement, uh, it carries an awful lot of weight. But of course, I'm looking at it going, "Well, this he's saying he's giving a lot of thoughts on things that are properly science, which the Pope's infallibility does not extend to by any actual definition of the term." Yet a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, so it, it does create a lot of issues.
1: Exactly. And I, I read that encyclical and yeah, that was my takeaway. And also it, it's been the consistent teaching of the church that not even the extraordinary magisterium can reverse a prior teaching. So everything has to be read in light of the full deposit of faith mm-hmm. and the unbroken tradition of the church. So the point being there, but yeah, I I agree. I I find Francis theologically disinterested, pastorally sloppy, and much, much too controlled by a lot of the dodgier elements in his advisors. But unless and until he solemnly defines error Mm-hmm. On matters of faith and morals, th- this is really nothing new. I mean, there there really is no papal crisis in lesson until that happens. And what I see with his critics is that they're taking the papacy and viewing through the the same lens that they view. Uh, Red team, blue team, Western politics, specifically American politics.
0: I think that is very valid. And it's something that I've seen a lot when it comes to his statements on economics or even private property and whatnot. I think we are way too prone to view that in a conservative slash progressive lens. And as you say, specifically an American progressive and conservative lens. Whereas he's not really coming from that perspective. And also it's not, it's not the perspective that the Catholic church is coming from at all. So it means something different than we would typically think if we saw that, say the same words come out of like Sean Hannity, for example.
1: Right. And what everybody seems to forget about Francis because of this uh, weird power the media has, because uh, the deaf cult has, Full institutional control over all the organs of media now, mm. and they don't just use that power to spread misinformation. I mean, everybody, anybody who asked would admit would admit that. Mm. But more insidious, because of the twenty four hour news cycle, they have the ability to make people forget stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, um, remember the Vegas shooting? Remember Jeffrey Epstein? Um, right. Yeah, I, I could, I could keep going. So. I remember clearly back in 2013 when Francis was first installed as Pope Mm -hmm. that the enemy tried to run the same playbook on him that they did on Benedict. Like Mm -hmm. they tried to say he was a Nazi because I remember that. Yeah. The kidnapping, like they couldn't try to connect him to the uh, kidnappings of these, these priests in Mm -hmm. Argentina, like uh, under the uh, reactionary regime there. And it was only when they couldn't get that to stick they went with plan B, which is, oh, well, uh, if if we can't destroy it, we'll co-opt it. And so they have spent the rest of his pontificate trying to make him out to be a member of the blue team when, I mean, personally, politically, I'm fully willing to admit that in terms of his personal politics, he might, he might be, I mean, he clearly does lean more to the left in terms of politics and mm-hmm. policy than, uh, you know, you or I would, but... That's not the issue and focusing on that risks dragging the church, this transcendent reality down into the scrum of left versus right politics. So uh, I'd actually
0: like to clarify just a little bit. Um, So would it be fair to say that your issue isn't that the media is flat out giving us false information on Francis? That's not the gaslighting that's going on. It's more they're just emphasizing one particular aspect of Francis and his thoughts.
1: they're boy, they're doing a full court press. I mean they're they're pulling out all the stops to both highlight and magnify statements he's made that could be seen as supporting their agenda while sweeping under the rug, anything contrary to that, like, uh, I, I made this meme, uh, based on information, my, my buddy, uh, author JD Cowan put together where I, I listed all the, these statements like, uh, affirmed the rights of countries to control their borders and declared like gender theory, evil and denounced gay marriage. And mm-hmm. I put a picture of Pope, Benedict next right. to it. it.
0: That's what actually prompted me to contact you uh, yeah. on this issue. Yeah,
1: because the end it said, "Be Pope Francis." Pick unrelated, and it was amazing <laughs> how many people didn't get that. And we're saying like, "Oh man, if only we could have Benedict." If only we could have a pope who would say stuff like this. I'm like, "Well, read the whole meme." We do. We our our current Holy Father said that because surprise, surprise, the Pope is Catholic. And right to give some more some more historical context on this. Okay. I agree. Francis pales before his immediate predecessors. Uh, those of us in generation Jones, Gen X and Gen Y were really spoiled Mm -hmm. for a series of great Holy Fathers in a row. So he definitely falls below his immediate predecessors, uh, two of whom are saints, but he is not even the, he doesn't even make the top 20 worst popes in history. Uh, we could talk about John the 12th elected at 18 who, actually ran the church as a pornocracy he ran a brothel and gambling den out of Saint John Lateran oh that's bad yeah <laughs> <And he laughs> that's, that's, a, that's worse yeah, yeah seriously he like oh well, I'm gonna open my my own mother church with black check and hookers and he did he did just that but he never touched a single feed a canonical doctrine of the church
0: right right and i do I, and i do agree that is one of the things that i do think uh, the the more the, the 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 rad trad crowd needs to calm down and realize that well they should remember the history that 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 they're justly proud of that there's been a lot of really awful popes like really 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 bad popes, so bad that has such a bad reputation including this guy that Women didn't really want to visit Rome because <laughs> they were concerned for their virtue. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Francis isn't that. He's many things, but he's not that.
1: Brian there, I lose you. I oh, accidentally uh, tapped my mute button, but I i was just agreeing with you Um <laughs> uh, But, but yeah, as I think uh, Cardinal Burke said on a, letter of pastoral correction that perhaps the the reason the holy spirit chose pope francis was to point out how very weak our faith is these days I'm like ooh ouch but yeah could be true could be true yeah. uh, and it is fair to say uh
0: that we as again especially in america we are way too prone to cult of personality and having a personality that maybe Really does rub us the wrong way. Is it really all that bad? In some ways, it mm. should make us reevaluate. Okay, why are why are we Catholic? Are we Catholic because there's a cool guy who's got our backs uh, up there in the up there in the Holy See, or is it, or are we Catholic because we really believe it's the truth? Which one yeah. is it?
1: <laughs> no, I, I will fully admit that, and it's not just Francis. He we we wouldn't have ended up with a pope like him if there weren't problems of cowardice and corruption in mm-hmm. most of the hierarchy. Okay. Because I mean, just go online, look at what some like leftist integralist liberation theology priests, like uh James Martin mm-hmm. famous whipping boys say, and it just, yeah. it makes evangelization that much harder because yeah. When you or I are trying to point out to someone who might be interested in Christianity. Okay. Well, this is like one mark of truth is that the church has consistently taught the same things on faith and morals for 2000 years on these issues. And then they point to, well, what about the Cardinal Archbishop of Washington, DC saying he's going to admit Joe Biden to Holy communion. What about these statements from James Martin, like in, in favor of homosexuality, like just coming up right up to the line and sometimes crossing the line of heresy. And like, these are your leaders, right? Like you believe in a hierarchy, Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I wish uh, the excommunications and lacizations were, were flying. They, it, that's what bishops are supposed to be for is to rule on these issues right they're yep. to rule and teach the church. And they're yep. by and large not doing it. There, there's some good ones like uh, Bishop Paprocki of Springfield, Illinois, who has refused communion to uh, lefty Catholic name only hacks like Dick Durbin, for example, Good. Yeah, so they're more, out there. More
0: like that, please. Yes.
1: They're out there. But again, the press is a demoralization machine, and they're only showing mm-hmm. as they're only boosting the signal of the heretics and, and the corrupt. So that's, yeah. uh, that's a problem. We have, to, you know, we have to keep that in mind.
0: And of course, the statements of uh, Francis that would line up with that, which, I mean, let's be fair. There are a lot of them.
1: Well, of course there, because for one thing, they cherry pick. So let, let's get into that. Because yep. uh, one thing I've noticed is, Every couple weeks there'll be a, a new scandal where mm. you, know, you get the rad trends like retiring to their fainting couches and clutching the pros. Like, Oh, look at what enormity he said this time. And I look into it and I'm like, well, okay, no, that's not what the original Italian said, or it was taken out of context or he just never said it. And then it's forgotten about because the new cycle brooms it moves on. Yep. And then we repeat it where there's something new. So, mm-hmm. I can like mm-hmm. to try to catalog these so that the uh, latest one would probably be like one. One thing I heard on another show I was on was, "Oh, he's he said that Catholics have to get the coronavirus vaccine." And no, he he didn't. He just reiterated teachings from his predecessors that said that with sufficient good reason, it's acceptable to take a vaccine that was ex- that was tested or like made from uh, fetal tissue, which is right. not new. Francis wasn't the first to formulate that. It's just a principle of double effect.
0: Right. I was discussing that actually with, uh, with both my brother and my dad recently. And I found it interesting that we're relitigating this issue. Yeah. Because I, think that, I, I went through this like years ago, reading about uh, this issue. It's just, it's with something new that all of a sudden brings it up. And I think the best argument I think there is an argument in favor of really relitig- relitigating it is that our current, sure. our current, um, approach isn't bearing any positive fruit whatsoever, yeah. which I think that's a very good point. And it might be reason to call for some, for a more stronger stance. Uh, that's, you know, that said, um, we're following the directives of the, we're following the directors of the church. It is definitely a gray area. Especially if we're dealing, talking about lines that have just been mm-hmm. continued on for a few decades, as opposed yeah. to something that is pulled from uh, pulled from a line that was just created that was just created from an aborted baby yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the timing does matter. And for people who do who want to say, because I know some will say, "It's like, well, who? What does it matter if the grave evil was four decades ago, as opposed to last week?" Well, then in that case, we owe reparations to the descendants of slaves. And we should probably give our country back to the native Americans. <laughs> <laughs> if, right. if, ta- if time doesn't matter, then we should
1: probably look at that. Yeah. Uh, let, let's look at something else. So the, the biggest flap right before that were uh, Francis's supposed statements calling for civil unions in that documentary movie. Hmm. Remember that Fasco.
0: I vaguely remember it. Like I, See, I, I remember yeah. it was, you know, this is an example of the of the news cycle bringing it up and then, you know, moving
1: on to the next thing. Uh, so yes,
0: yeah. I do remember that being an issue.
1: So, if for your listeners' sake, this documentary, uh, I think it was just called Francesco or, or Francis, came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was by this uh, Israeli filmmaker who had previously made like hawkish films calling for the U S to basically bomb Syria and uh, definitely political acts to grind. And in it, he presented an excerpt of an interview with the Pope Mm. where he apparently called for creating civil union laws for same sex couples. But so, so I looked into it and found some interesting things. So first of all, the interview in the movie wasn't directly created by the filmmaker. He used a clip from an interview that Pope Francis gave on Mexican television back in, uh, I think 2017. Okay. But it, but it was earlier. And the interesting thing was, so I think it was a Catholic news agency went back and got the original footage of the interview as it aired on Mexican TV. And that clip that's in the movie is not in the interview where he says that and they talked to the reporter who interviewed him. And she said, yeah, I have no memory of him saying that. So the statement only appears in this movie created by this dude with an ax to grind against the church. Cause one of his uh, most recent movies is called like, Oy vey, my son is gay. Right. <laughs> this is tell detail where he's coming from. So there's this like gay rights activist guy who is like also a neocon kind of agitator And clearly it has an agenda here. And the only place we can find the Pope's statement on this is a clip in his movie that was taken from an interview and it wasn't like, there's no proof he was ever in the original interview. So that's sketchy. But then even then um, they, they found like the, the transcript of like Francis's statements for that interview and in it, What he says in context is just a reiteration of the 2003 Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith statement on the issue, which was signed off on by Cardinal Ratzinger. Okay. So he's just echoing Ratzinger in his actual statement. And it looks like for the movie, they cut up his audio and selectively edited it to make it sound like he was saying something other than he wasn't. Huh. That is a
0: that, that, that is interesting, and I recall a while ago, um, John C. Wright put something on his blog uh, saying effectively the same thing that if you go, if you actually start digging into a lot of these statements and go into like the original Italian and everything, it winds up saying something different than what it's presented as. And I found that interesting, and it did get, it did give me increase my uh, benefit of the doubt for a while. Uh, and, but I, my benefit of the doubt does, did get eroded a bit. And a lot of it has to do with, oh uh, gosh, the fact that he keeps doing interviews with this one atheist journalist. Yeah. I can't recall his name, but he keeps doing interviews with this guy. And every single time something comes out and something comes out that all of a sudden winds up needs needing to get explained and defended. It's like, holy crap. Okay, Fine you're getting misrepresented by the guy, then stop talking to
1: him. You know what I mean? It's like, just
0: knock it off.
1: It's not helping you. Well, that's his, yeah, that's, that's just his bad handlers. And yeah, he's way too willing. He's, he's way too tractable on these issues like that's how we get the horrible hideous, um, pagan and like postmodern art statuary and stuff. And, Oh yeah. That crap is just crap. It it is and it, it's infuriating, but it's not a fundamental rupture with the perennial teaching of the church. So yeah, it uh it's no fun, it's confusing to people, it's scandalous, but uh it's it, yeah, it's not disqualifying. It's it's no reason to claim he's an illegitimate pope, uh um, right. or to embrace a state of vacantism, which has its own problems. But yeah, I see in, in chat uh someone claiming that he has embraced civil unions and no, he's not. I did the research. Don't believe what you, again, uh, where'd you hear that from? Cause did you hear it from the same people who say Donald Trump was a Nazi? I bet you did. Right. I looked it up. He didn't say it. He just reiterated, uh, a document that, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger spearheaded. So you can't say that France supports civil unions without saying that Benedict does too. Cause they're saying the same thing.
0: Well, you know, this reminds me of a bit of a scandal of a similar nature. Um, With, in fact, Pope Benedict, Uh, which is, which if, gosh, is might have been the last interview book with uh, Peter Seewald, I think it was. And it was regard, it, it was something that was very, it was very cherry picked, very taken, very taken out of context. And it had to do with condoms. And it was wound up being presented as condoms are like a good are like a good thing now and it's morally permissible and father martin was all was all a was was all a twitter over it and then I you know read it and it was like no he's just picked he just stated some random and fairly strange example, but basically saying you know if a gay if a gay prostitute suddenly decides to start putting out a, putting on a condom that in order to prevent in order to prevent the potential spread of a disease then that is a tiniest little possible glimmer of a hint of a move in a, of a move in a moral direction not saying that condoms are good and everyone should start using them <laughs> it was like huh that got completely misrepresented and it seems like the civil union thing is a very similar situation
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So it is, it is interesting. And again, I will definitely say, and it it sounds like you agree that a lot of uh, Francis's approach and a lot of the things that he does say are not necessarily the greatest, um, but not so bad that we should be declaring him a false Pope either.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a problem is that everybody wants to reduce a field Mm -hmm. to a binary yeah, as my buddy David Stewart says, and that the the Pope can only ever be all holy and the best Pope ever, or a heretic, de- deceiver, apostate. There's there are plenty of options between there. There's a whole spectrum in between there, and yeah, I I don't like Francis's performance as Pope. I wish we had a better theologian, someone who's clearer, someone with more of a spine who we'll stand up to his advisors and say, well, no, that that's ugly. No, that's a pagan freaking statue. We're not having that. But I mean, we don't, that's reality. I, I also don't see any evidence that he's an anti-pope or he's a legitimate. Um, he's not, what, what's the name of the canon lawyer on like Peters Uh his, he tackled it. Like he, he tackled the question is, was Francis legitimately elected? And, Concluded, yeah, so uh, I'm not a kind of lawyer, I, but that guy has been solid consistently for years, so I'll defer to him on that. Yeah, and I don't know
0: what sort of odd things would be there in order to even make somebody think that he was illegitimately elected because, for one, it's not as though the elect, election process in and of itself is divinely ordained. It's not. It's nope. something that the church came up with. This is a... As the Protestants would say merely human tradition, which I fully grant as far as the process for electing a pope or even selecting one the any process we have for selecting one is essentially a human process the fact that we have one is not that's different yeah but the, the fact that,
1: yeah. Go ahead.
0: No, just the fact that we happen to elect him from a College of Cardinals, which again is a made-up office uh, that's just a process and it works the way it works. If a bunch of them decide to get work together to convince others to all vote for the same guy, well, that's not corrupting the process. That's the way these things work.
1: Yeah. Usually the argument I hear, I'm not saying it's the only one, but the the only one I've heard is that, well, okay. He's clearly a heretic based on this hysterical statement and the, the overblown read on it. So therefore retroactively, his election must have been illegitimate. And no, I don't see the logic in that. No, no. And there have been,
0: again, uh, as you were saying, there have been some awfully bad popes and there've been popes that have made some statements that should make you go, "Mm, we're testing the boundaries here, aren't we? Uh, I seem to remember one, it was brought up, I want to say it was by Alan Shreck. This was a long time ago, uh, in a talk that I was listening to. He was, and I can't remember which pope it was, but it was one who was essential, who was teaching in a in this capacity only as a preacher, not as pope, that unbaptized babies go go to hell, which is not church teaching. Uh, official church teaching, for those who don't know, is essentially that the church doesn't know for sure. Uh, Probably haven't, but we can't say definitively uh, that, but the fact that it was a Pope saying that does test the boundaries just a touch. It kind of, it, it pushes on it, but it doesn't break it. And Francis hasn't reached that level of pushing that envelope yet. I can think of one or two cases where he's gotten close to that level, but he hasn't gotten there.
1: I'd agree. And I'm not even saying that uh, we might not get to a point with uh, with him or one of his successors mm-hmm. that there is a real legitimacy crisis in the papacy. Uh, I follow a classical theist online, and he pointed out that periods of corruption and decline in the church follow cycles mm-hmm. where you will. you'll you'll be riding high for a while. The church will be strong and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: be unambiguous in doctrine and teaching. And then it'll hit a bump and there'll there'll be a decline. The clergy will get corrupt. You'll have rampant clericalism. They'll just be out of touch with uh, their congregants. And usually those periods last a little while, like 30 to 70 years. But then they always trigger a reform movement like, uh, you know, the, the mendicant orders or uh, usually it's some kind of uh, popular reform movement among the, the laity or uh, you often get a new religious order, like the, the Benedictines, etc. And they sweep through and the church is left stronger than it was before. So, yeah, we, uh, we're we probably just near the beginning of, probably, probably near the end of the beginning of one of these cycles and brace yourself, because it's going to get a whole lot worse. <laughs> See, Brian, that's not what people want to hear right now. <laughs> well, I'm uh, <laughs> afflicting the, the comfortable here. But that's... Yeah, it's, and it's not
0: that I disagree. I'm afraid it is, in fact, going to get a, lot, a whole lot worse in a whole lot of different respects. But, yeah, um, at the end of the day, well, you know what? Um, I am getting close here on the hour. So, um, I guess, what would you... Recommend people that are struggling with with, with doubts on how to handle Pope Francis. People who don't people who don't want to give into either one of the binary options. Either he's an anti Pope or he's the greatest Pope because he's a leftist, progressive. <laughs> um uh You know, people don't want to put their heads in either one of these piles of sand. Uh, where would you recommend they go to kind of keep things in perspective?
1: off of facebook and twitter and to mass amen (laughs) there was because for for the longest time the vast majority of the faithful had no earthly clue what the holy father was up to Mm -hmm. and they were fine so i would say unplug from the 24-hour news cycle stop thinking of the pope as just another elected official He's, he's more than that. He's your spiritual father. Uh, you, yep. you might not have the best relationship with him, but okay. then just ignore him because it's no one appointed you a judge over him. We're, we're not Protestants. Okay. So just yep. trust the Holy Spirit. He made this choice. And worrying over what the Pope will do will not add one inch to the span of your life.
0: I 100% agree with that last. Sentence, especially as far as the uh, Holy Spirit made the choice, eh, yeah, it's a matter of maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure. The Holy Spirit allowed the choice. <laughs> I'll go with that. <laughs> as far as the okay. making, uh, I mean, uh, I remember this being something that was discussed by uh, Pope Benedict actually, and he even he was kind of like, eh, I don't know if the Holy Spirit selects picks, is just keeps them from completely stepping in, you know, stepping over that line you know, with uh, actually doing stuff that flat out contradicts the church. And then I think, I think there's arguments to be made one way or the other there to be, to be perfectly honest. I'm more of the Holy spirit provides a final uh, backstop as opposed to necessarily a 100% always active guide. But I think there's room for disagreement there.
1: Right. Well, that's not even necessarily what I'm saying. I'm more with Burke saying that uh, he's been sent is kind of a chastisement to tell us to wake up. Which I
0: mean, it's hard to disagree with that, especially when we put it in the context of, like we mentioned earlier, about the cult of personality issue that uh, Americans, in particular, uh, seem to be prone to. Yeah, not that anyone, not that anyone is immune from it. They're, they're not. I mean, their dictators exist everywhere, and they dictators are possible because of a cult of personality. Uh, and yeah, I think it's good that we break away from that that we break away from that and again remember that we're not catholic because of who's in the chair we're catholic because it's the truth plain and simple and it mm-hmm. it, it need not be more complicated than that um so yes ladies and gentlemen definitely get to get to mass I, like Brian said get off of facebook and twitter if it is if it's disturbing your peace get the get this get the heck off and get some perspective and get that perspective at mass and uh adoration because uh, what what else do you actually need and we're going to need frankly all the grace that we can get because it's not going to get better anytime soon um and it will only get better if we're actually open to that grace and actually act on it instead of getting all Twisted around in all the crap of the world. Um, uh, on, uh, after that highly spiritual note, uh, what is what have you been up to with your writing lately? We see you've got the uh, you've got the Mech, Mech Avi there, uh, Avi profile picture. However, you say these things these days.
1: <laughs> how do how do you pronounce GIF? I, I don't know. I still don't know. I don't but, know.
0: I, I did, you know what? I well we're, we're at, almost at a point where we're going to fight a uh, civil war, either over the proper pronunciation of GIF or whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. But <laughs> there's one for the ages. Uh, anyway, uh, what have you got going on with your writing? You've got the mech there. I remember you were, uh, you were just last time we talked, you were just getting ready to launch that series.
1: Wow. It's been a while. It has been. been too long. I, I've been a stranger. Yeah. So the series, comet Frame X seed, think Tom Clancy meets Mobile Suit Gundam is Doing phenomenally well. It's my most successful series yet. Oh, that's awesome. I've yeah, so far run four Indiegogo campaigns and I'm just knocking it out of the park over there. Thanks to our awesome backers. And the, the series is getting great reviews. Uh did, did you know I I have single-handedly fixed the moribund like a genre. I I've breathed a new life into it. <laughs> well, it's amen. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's what you can look forward to there. Uh so I finished the first Combat Frame XSeed series. Now I've launched a new series in the same universe called Combat Frame XSeed S, the first book of which is available. And we're going to be wrapping up the Indiegogo campaign to fund book two next month. So if you want to see loop on that, uh, subscribe to my newsletter. There is a preview page for the combat frame exceed double S Indiegogo campaign up on Indiegogo. And you can sign up to get uh, the inside track and the first notification on that when it goes live. Nice. In terms of what I'm actually writing, uh, I have just completed one of the perks, one of the last two perks from the uh, previous campaign where I promised two original combat frame exceed short stories for backers only. I, have completed and sent out the first one as a little Christmas present to my backers. Nice. And I finished outlining the second and final one. And I'm going to be finishing that up this week. So if you back the campaign, you can find it in your inbox. If you didn't back the previous campaigns, there are going to be tons of sweet new exclusive perks for backers coming up next month. Highly recommend you get in on that.
0: Well, there you go. And you do have a website where you blog on culture and, And writing and all of that, correct?
1: I do. It's Kairos is the title of the blog, and it's just BrianDemeier.com.
0: Well, there you go. Go and check that out. And you also have – do you have your own or did you – I can't remember. Did you use another system for, like, actually figuring out, like, the Amazon algorithm and everything? Because, as we all know, that's, like, vitally important to trying to make it as an indie writer these days.
1: Oh, that's a whole other show. It is. It Uh, is. My perspective on that has been largely brought in lately. Thank you. uh, Thanks to uh, a good buddy author, Adam Lane Smith. Uh, Mm -hmm. Basically what we found with the algo manipulation is that a lot of the big hitters who profited greatly in India over the last couple of years succeeded partly due to to their knowledge of data science and to strategically manipulating the algorithm. But basically it came down to survivorship bias. Like I've had other really smart indie author guys who know their stuff. and know the data science, take a look at it and say that there was really, it was this black swan event caused by confluence of factors. Mm -hmm. So knowing the algo is good, but because it changes so much, it is basically running amok right now and no one, not even Amazon knows how it works anymore.
0: <laughs> okay, that's disturbing a little bit. It is.
1: And that's going to happen everywhere. What uh, to turn was, into Skynet. Well, kind of, but except a non-self-aware Skynet it's just this Chinese room that just does stuff, like just this really big math problem that will make self-driving cars stop and <laughs> and uh make a uh, like Dinosaur Jr songs from 1995 rocket to the top of the Japanese billboard charts because it happened to be featured in the background of some viral YouTube video, which actually happened. <laughs> okay. That,
0: that's just not right.
1: But <laughs> that shouldn't happen. Yeah, so it can be hard to wrangle the, the Amazon algorithm, uh, but I mean at this point it's basically pay-to-play. Like you've you really need to hire specialists in the various areas of publishing to give you a leg up and get you the visibility now because these matters are so complex, like advertising correctly, Mm -hmm. marketing correctly, that you really need someone whose job it is to crunch the numbers on that and come up with strategies for you. You also need to spend money to make money in the realms of the content and presentation book. And that's why what I'd say to Indies is, yeah, You need a spring for the pro quality cover because that will set you apart from old pub, and even other indies. Yeah, because indies are wise to this now. That's where I got my my views from the cover of my next book.
0: Well, and honestly, you do a good job with the covers, and that is a problem with a lot of the uh, indie books out there. They have serviceable covers, like they're like they're perfectly fine, but you can tell. They're sort sure. of generic taken from stock photos somewhere or another and just had a title slapped on them in Photoshop.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Like decent will not cut it anymore. You've mm-hmm. got to be brilliant and you, you've got to properly compensate brilliant artists for their time, but you will make it back in, in spades. And then similarly with the content, a flashy covered good marketing is how you grab readers.
0: Mm-hmm. But your content Quality. is how you keep them.
1: Content is how you keep them. And for that, you need an editor. its I, I hear authors are like, well, I'm, I'm good enough. I've been doing this long enough. I don't need an editor. It's not <laughs> about skill. Right. It's not about ability. It's that you as a human being are too close to the material to objectively mm-hmm. assess yep. it. And you're, they, they've, brain scientists have found this. Your brain will insert what you intend to be on the page, even though, even though it might not be there. Oh, yeah so
0: absolutely i i know that and good for you just from i mean i do i do editing on this on the side myself and yes it's
1: your twitter handle yeah
0: it's my twitter handle and you know i see that and i know whenever i rarely these days because of time issues uh delve into fiction writing i i know that's an issue that i have to keep in mind when i'm trying to, what i'm trying to write and try to convey something because just because i know it doesn't mean anyone else is going to know it from the words that i put on the page
1: yeah yeah and so this is a plug for you and for me because i'm also a pro editor so i would hardly encourage any any author out there who may be watching to <laughs> yeah to uh to ourselves our services and i just saw my good friend author David Stewart pop up in chat. <laughs> yep, I was just uh, I, I figured he I figured he was a friend of yours. <laughs> he is, and he taught me everything I know about doing cover design myself. Oh, nice. Yeah, but not for him. My hit number one best selling book, "Don't Give Money to People Who Hate You," would not have been su- as successful as it was because he taught me how to do my own cover and to make a cover that sells. And it does.
0: And, the, it, and the, it, that was that is a good attention grabbing cover too. I might say.
1: Yeah. Well, give. Uh, Give the credit to David. He's a he's dude who taught me how to do that. And he's a great author in his own right.
0: Well, in that case, I'm gonna have to have, uh, if he's willing, I'll have to have David on sometime because one of the things I'm trying to do with this channel now is actually to have more creative individuals on who are actually working on taking on taking back the culture or building an alternative one, however you want to put that, um, and actually pushing back on the Hollywood people who yeah. are, you know, continually just pouring poison down into the culture.
1: Maybe. And
0: actually, and actually, you know, trying to give those guys a little bit of a little bit of extra promotion and just expose people to the fact that there are alternatives out there. You know, you don't have to get a subscription to Funimation to watch, uh, to be exposed to good uh, mecha content. They can go read your books. And really should just, just as an example, but anyway, on that note, I think uh, we will leave it here for the time being. And even though David just showed up, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can go back and watch, and watch about from, watch from about minute 34 or something around there about half the half hour mark there, David, and you'll get the, you'll, you'll, you'll get the whole thing with Brian from there. <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, thanks a lot, Brian, for coming back on. It has been a while. We will have to make sure it's not so long uh, before the next one. And uh, best of luck with a new book, man. Um, I, I look forward to seeing it. And I've got to catch up with your uh, mecha work. But I'm going to be doing that as soon as I'm able.
1: Thank you. And uh, thanks for having me. Uh, sorry I was a little tardy there. Yeah, that's so all good. I think we made up for lost time.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will be back. Um, I'll be having actually another author on. My friend Declan Finn will be discussing uh, potential directions of uh, the COVID stand cult (laughs) and where that's all going next, uh, next week. And until then, keep fighting the good fight.